always feel like a little bit set up because you guys are always great at like cheering me on. I'm like, crap, now I got to give a good message. So, uh, <laughs> so like, uh, like Pastor Mark said, I'm, um, I'm Pastor Hal. I'm the uh, Temple Terrace campus pastor. And I believe actually this week uh, you guys are doing a takeover our campus, which is pretty cool. And uh, I, I will say this, guys. Um, I, I'm really excited, uh, not this upcoming week, but the week after I'm going to be speaking from the main stage about the, uh, the evidence we have of the resurrection of Jesus. And then two weeks after that, I'm going to be talking about how injustice and God can coexist in the same world. And so please don't miss those. Um, and I'm also saying that for the same reason that I've got like four messages in my head right now. So if any at time uh, it doesn't make sense, it's probably because it's a part of another message. And just you got to be there for the other ones and then they'll all kind of fit together. Um, so how, how many of you guys in here, you, uh, you had to do chores as a kid? All right, those are the well-adjusted ones, pay attention. Uh, <laughs> the ones that did not raise their hand, um, you're gonna have to work very hard for them to do chores when you get married. Uh, anyway, so those of you that did chores growing up, uh, you'll, you'll feel me, we had to do a lot of chores. Um, I was ahead of uh, the lawn, I was ahead of many things. In fact, during the summer, uh, what we would do every summer is when we got up until noon, we had to do chores. And uh, so it, it allowed us to understand that we should get a job um, very quickly so we didn't have to do chores. And so I, I did a lot of chores all the time, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of chores. And after a while, as a little kid, in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm doing a ton of chores. And my dad used to always play around with me. We, I grew up in a very sarcastic family, so just know that it's not that he's an unloving dad, he's just sarcastic. And so he, he would say to me, he, he, every once in a while, he would just be like, yep, I have my son to do the lawn. And uh, after a while, I took it to heart. And one day I went to my dad and I was just crying. I'm like, you only had me to do chores. And, and what a nice, loving parent would have done is go, oh, no, son, that's not at all true at all. We love you. We absolutely wanted you. But what my dad did was he said, hey, go get a piece of paper and a calculator. I said, okay. So I went and got a piece of paper and a calculator. And he says, all right, let's, let's add up all the hours that you spend doing chores. And we added them up. It was like maybe like eight hours in a week. And he goes, let's multiply that by uh, what minimum wage was. And so we put that number down. And he goes, all right, so let's calculate how much you cost. I'm like, okay. He goes, so how much do you think you cost in food per week? It's like, this is the amount we spend and all that. And we put that down. He's like, how much do your clothes cost? So he's like, let's put that down. And he goes, and this is what it costs to run electricity in our house. So a quarter of that. And this is what it costs to have water. And we added all of it up. And at the end of it, he goes, son, he goes, we made a horrible investment. <laughs> if the reason we had you was for chores. And it, it was a weird moment because at the moment I realized that I was wrong, but I didn't feel any more loved in the moment. I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you did. Uh, but, but here's what happened. I think it's what we do many times is I had a little bit of knowledge and a lot of emotion. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is we have a little bit of knowledge of God. And we have a lot of emotion. We go into a situation and with our little bit of knowledge of God and a lot of emotion, we, have, we, we make up these ideas of who God is or what Jesus may have said that fits our situation and our emotion in the time. And like Pastor Mark said, he goes, it's like an Instagram theology. Like sometimes like I hate going on Instagram because I see all these posts that people put up and they're like, well, I just believe Jesus means this. And Jesus said this. And then you go in the comment section, which you should never go in the comment section because whoever said it, however smart they are, it's, it's always dumber in the comment section. And there's all these people agreeing with them. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, no. And, and the worst ones are the ones that are kind of right, but are just slightly off. And you're just going, that is not at all what God said. That is not at all what Jesus said. And really, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just usually it's just like one degree off. And what happens is if people start to use that idea to live their life out, they're going to slowly be moving away from God. 
And so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about one of the Instagram posts that I saw that I really do feel like people, even though they may not have said it this way, uh, other people feel this way. And here's the Instagram post that that I saw that basically um, it was somebody that's very angry at the church, which we have a lot of those nowadays. And so they were very angry at the church. So they said this. They said, when Christians speak, people leave. People never left Jesus. Love first. And boy, did people love this. A um, lot of likes, a lot of people underneath going, this is the greatest thing ever, um, this is awesome, and all this. And look, I, I understand where this comes from. Like, I do. Like, I get this. Because everyone has church hurt. Like, everyone's been hurt by someone in the church. And really, for me and my generation, like, I understand this big time because when I was growing up in the church, it felt like every church had a pastor that uh, every week got up, and uh, when he looked at the world and the brokenness in the world, he, his heart didn't break for the world like God's did. Instead, it just became angry at the world, and so he yelled at everybody, told everybody that they were sin and they were awful and made them feel guilt and shame and pain. And what happened is, is people stayed in church, not because of their love for God, because they feel guilt and shameful if they didn't go to church. And so what happens is, is, is you see that and you see people finally go, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that. And so you see what happened is the pendulum swung and the pendulum never swings to where it should be. It always goes from, all right, we're going to talk about how uh, God hates you and you're filled with shame and guilt. And we're going to go all the way to the other side of God never tells you anything and everything that you do is good. Right? And so we swing all the way to the other side. And I love it how people always, at the end of it, they always do this. They're like, and just love. As if you can't argue with that, right? Just love, because that encompasses everything, and you can't argue with love. And if I tell you to love first, then that's exactly what you ought to do. See, I think that's what happens so many times, is I hear people say this, well, Jesus would never say that. Why wouldn't Jesus say that? Because that offended me. Jesus would never say that. Why? Because that didn't make me feel good. God would never say that. Well, why, why not? Because, you know, it doesn't make me feel good inside. And so we've gotten to a point even inside of the church where we go, hey, we can't say anything to anybody that would cause them offense because if we do, that's not what Jesus would have done. And really all God wants you to do is to be happy, right? See, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why people don't speak the truth is they believe happiness is the goal. Actually, let me say it this way. We believe happiness is the goal because most of us, we like to see other people happy. I mean, there's some of us that don't want to see other people happy, but most of us, the people that we love, we want to see them happy, right? And so when we see them happy, we don't want to correct what's going on, even if it's wrong or even if it's a sin, because we're like, they're happy. And we say things like, I, they're, they're happy. God would want them to be happy. Why would I change that? And so we look at somebody that's literally heading in the wrong direction. We're going, yeah, but it's fine because they're happy. We see somebody that's dating somebody that's not treating them right. We're going, hey, that's not right, but at least they're happy, right? We, we see somebody literally moving into an addiction and we go, but at least they're, they're happy. And I think many times the thing is we go, but who is it hurting? Them. And all of a sudden there's this idea that if it's just hurting them, then we shouldn't talk to them. When did it ever become okay to allow somebody to hurt themselves? And I think what happens many times in the church is not only is that we're hurting ourselves, but we're hurting what we can do for God. And so we need people in our lives that literally come up to us and go, hey, you're being a jerk. I have luckily had these people in my life. I don't need any more of them in case some of you feel the need. 
But I, but I have. I, rem- I remember going, into, going to college at, at UF, and um, I played high school basketball, and I love playing basketball. And I'll just give you a little bit of background. I was the only white kid on my team. And so I was the prototypical white kid. Like, I came in to the game, and everybody's like, shooter. I'm like, how do you know? And I was. I'm slow. All of those things. But the one thing I really, really enjoyed doing was talking trash, because it was fun to talk trash. Because if I did anything, the white guy just scored on you. So it was, it was fun. And so I talked trash the entire time. Well, we started playing intramurals at the University of Florida. And so we're playing intramurals and all that. And I joined the church team. But while I'm on the church team, I'm talking trash to everybody on the other team because that's what's fun. And I thought it was jovial. I thought we were having fun. Jovial. It's like Santa Claus. I thought we were having fun. Like I was talking trash, but I was smiling the entire time. And we ended up winning a game. And afterwards, this guy named Andre came up to me. He goes, how? You got to stop. I'm like, what? He goes, you got to stop talking trash. I'm like, why? Because I'm good at it? He's like, no. He goes, how? What if like after this game, God prompted you to go ask that person to come to church or tell them about Jesus? How would they respond? I'm like, well? <laughs> no, and here's the deal. We look at that and we're like, oh, that, that's a small thing. No, it's not. He saw something. Is that an easy conversation to have with somebody that you haven't known that long? No. Is it easy to walk up to somebody and go, hey, what you just said just offended everybody? Is it easy to say those things? No, it's not. Is it easy to tell somebody that, look, I understand that this makes you happy, but you're going in the wrong direction? Guys, here's the biggest problem that's happened is that we've acted like happiness is this ultimate goal. Do you guys realize how easy happiness is? Like, I could bring in ice cream and 90% of you would be happy. (laughs) Your vegans wouldn't, but you're never happy, so that's fine. Like... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it's so easy, people are like, what, you don't think Jesus wants me to be happy? I'm like, no, he wants so much more than that. He goes, never would I want you to to push away eternal joy for momentary happiness. Never would I want you to push away something that is character building for a moment of discomfort. He goes, no, I want so much more for you. So the idea that Jesus would just want us to be happy is false. And in fact, I'll just be really honest with you right now. Really honest. I think the biggest reason we we love to say, oh, I don't want to say it because they're happy, is not because we really care about their happiness. It's because we're too lazy to go and talk to them. We are. Because is it easy to confront someone? No. No. And truly, if you're confronting somebody as a friend, what do you also have to do? You have to walk through it with them. Right? You know this. If you go to somebody and tell them, hey, the person that you're dating is an idiot, you don't need to date them anymore, who gets to walk through it with them? So what would you rather do? Oh, they're happy. I'll just let them go. Because we've got to choose and understand that happiness is not the ultimate goal at all. And like I've also said before, I said at the end of it, people love to say this, well, but God is love. Here's what we believe. One of the biggest reasons we don't tell people the truth is we believe we know what love is. We believe we know what love is. And I hear this say all the time, well, God is love, so I believe he would be okay with this. Here's what you're actually saying when you say that. If I was God, I would be okay with that. When I say well, God is love, so I believe they're okay. What I'm saying is if I was God and I think I'm a halfway decent person, then this is the way that God would act. And we believe we understand what love is, but here's the problem, and we've talked about this from the beginning. Our definition of love changes depending on the situation. 
Our definition of love changes depending on the emotions we're feeling in that moment. And guys, how many times have you seen somebody do something in love and later on you realize that wasn't love? I mean, you guys have seen your friends and even you've been in this situation where they know they should break up, but what do they do? They don't break up. Why? Because I still love them and I don't want them to feel pain. Is that love? Is it love to allow them to meander through the next couple months while you slowly make it hard to be with them until they finally break up with you? Is it love to just walk alongside that? I mean, think about it. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen somebody enabling an addict? I've walked along so many parents. I'm like, you can't do that. You're enabling this situation. But what do they say? What do they always say? And I believe they feel it deep down. We are doing this. Why? Because we love them. Is that love? No. No. And so what we have to do is we've got to be able to step back and go, maybe I don't know what love is. Maybe I'm not the one that decides what love is. And love is so much more than just feeling good in a situation or making sure somebody has what they think they need. So I want to show you guys two verses to help prove this point. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7 is, this is the verse we've all heard before. It says, love is patient and kind. So which means this, it says love is patient and kind, which means if love is patience, that means everything that is patient is found in love, right? Because love is defined through patience and kindness. It says love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. So basically what this verse is saying right here is all of those things, every part of it at its height defines what love is. Because love is those things. Okay? I want to go to the next verse in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, it says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Where does love come from? God, okay. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Notice it does not say love is God. Because it said love is God. It would mean that God is a definition of love, but it says God is love, which means this. Everything that is love, everything that could be love, anything that is an action of love is defined by God. So when we're trying to understand what love is, instead of trying to figure it out ourselves, the greatest way to figure out what love is, is to look at what God does and how he acts. Because if you want the purest definition of love, it's what God does and is. See, we don't get to define what love is. God does. Because God is love. Everything that defines love is God. So when we look at our lives and we go, okay, if I'm supposed to react in love in this moment, my question is not what should I do to make them feel better? My question is what would God do? What would God do in this moment? How would God look past the momentary and see what's possible? How would God look at this situation and go, I don't want to just care for the moment. I want to care for this person's future. See, God is love, and because God is love, that means I look to God, and I know what love is. See, God cares more about our long-term joy than momentary happiness, and if we are truly going to love people around us, we will represent who God is, which means despite how awkward it may feel or how many arguments we feel like we're a part of, we still look for the truth in the relationship. And let me just say this, you're never gonna be at a point in your life where you don't need somebody to tell you the truth. 
I mean, we see this in the Bible. There's this guy, Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples. Peter was literally, I mean, one of the, the all-stars. Peter walked on water to Jesus for a little bit, but he did walk on water. Like Peter, when, when Jesus was nearing the end, he looked at Peter. He said, Peter, you are the rock. I'm going to build my church on you. Like Peter's a big deal. Well, apparently Peter, what was going on was there was always this, this weird problem going on between those that were Jewish and those that were not Jewish. And how much of the Jewish traditions should I follow and how many of the Gentile traditions should I follow? And so what would happen many times is they would say, hey, if you really want to follow after God, you need to follow this Jewish tradition. For example, they're like, hey, if you really want to follow after God, you can only eat Jewish foods. And so what, what was going on was Peter, when, whenever the Jewish people were not around, he would eat with the non-Jewish people. He would eat the foods that they were eating and everything would be okay. But the moment the Jewish people would come into town, he would act like they didn't exist. And so Paul... One of the apostles finds out about this. Now I gotta tell you guys, do you think it's easy to confront the guy that walked on water? Because I mean, what, I walked on water, did you? Like I was one of Jesus' 12, were you? Paul wasn't. But Paul chose in that moment, hey, I need you to understand, you are turning people off from God. You are caring more about somebody liking you than you are about the kingdom. Because we always need those people. There's never going to be a point where we don't need it. And here's why this is so important to understand, is that when somebody is a truth teller in our lives, we've got to be very purposeful in not pushing them away and choosing to bring them in. Especially when the truth teller actually cares about us. So how do we speak truth? How do we speak truth on a regular basis? Here's the first, first thing we've got to do. We've got to expect opposition. Expect opposition. Guys, it's so funny when people say people never left Jesus. Like, Jesus never said anything that was offensive. It's like they killed him for what he said. <laughs> they didn't kill him because he did miracles. They killed him because he said, I'm the son of God. Like, there's literally a part in the Bible where Jesus says, hey, the only way through God to God is through me. And hundreds of people went, that's too tough. And they left. So this idea that when you speak truth, that everybody's going to like it, is not true. So what we do is when we speak truth, we expect opposition. Even if the person that you're going to talk to is a Christian. Just because people are Christians doesn't mean we like to be told we're wrong. And so what we do is this. It's not that we're going into it expecting to fight. We're going into it understanding that I'm going to have to speak the truth and get it out knowing that they may not receive it at first. But here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. Our job is to speak the truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that will convict their heart. So we speak the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts the heart. Yes, we have to deal with the argument, but we win the person at the end of the day. See, that's the, that's the point is that when we go into these situations, our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to, for them to see the heart of God. Our goal is for them to see who God is and that God loves them and this is what is best for them. Because I want to read a verse that people really don't read very often in the Bible. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 10, 34 to 39. It says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to this earth. Which immediately like, wait, what? <laughs> I did not come to bring peace but a sword. This is the guy that was holding the lamb, right, with the flowy hair? Okay. Uh, 
It says, for I have come to turn man against his father and daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, which naturally happens. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Go on to the next one. <laughs> Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then here's the verse that we see so often and we quote so often, but we don't realize what comes before it. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. He's going, I need you to understand, when you really follow after me, people won't like it. In fact, in fact, when you step out in faith, there will be people you thought would be your biggest supporters that won't. And it's a sad thing. But just know, when you're called to follow after God, the reason we follow after God is not so everyone likes us. The reason we follow after God is because we know when we're following after him, there's a greater purpose to what we're doing. So Jesus goes, I need you to understand there's gonna be opposition. There's gonna be opposition outside the church. There's gonna be opposition inside the church. There's gonna be opposition when you speak to Christians. It's not that you're looking for a fight. It's not that you're going in expecting to, to go at that person, it's that you're knowing, you're knowing that more than likely when they hear this, they're not gonna receive it and that's okay. So we expect opposition and here's point number two, which is so important. We always speak truth in love. Like I said before, the goal of the conversation is not to be rights for them to see the heart of God. And when somebody sees the heart of God with truth, they realize this, that you are not calling them out to be right, you're calling them out so that they can move forward with God. You're not telling them that they are their sin. You're telling them that they have sin, but God has something more. You're not, you're, you're not saying, hey, I, I want you to say that this is what you are and you're stuck. You're saying, this is where you are. Let me help you out. See, that's what speaking the truth in love is. And, and this is the hardest part, I really believe, because when you speak the truth in love, what you're saying is, look, this is really hard, but I'm gonna walk with you. And I think that's the biggest reason we don't like to do it. Because we don't want to spend the time to walk with somebody through it. But God says, hey, when you're gonna speak the truth in love, that's exactly what God does, right? God says, I'm gonna forgive you, I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna be there no matter what. In fact, when you mess up again, I've already decided to forgive you. So all you need to do is ask for it. It says we extend that same grace that God gives us. See, when Jesus came down to this earth, what's so crazy about who Jesus was is he was 100% truth and he was 100% grace. In John 1.14, it says this. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have never seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Both grace and truth truth. Not 50% grace and 50% truth. 100% grace and 100% truth. And here's why. Guys, when we give people truth but withhold grace, it leads to rebellion. Here's what I mean by that. You ever had a parent that was all about rules but not about love? You never feel like you could win? What happens when you never feel like you can win? You say, forget it, right? And you rebel. And here's the other side that I want you to pay attention to. Because if you're somebody in here that's all about truth and not about grace, chances are what, the reason you're that way is because you thought this entire Christianity thing is about keeping score. Because that's what people who are all about truth and not about grace do. They keep score. 
They go, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you only did this wrong, it's three to one. They're going, it's all about truth, it's all about truth. No, 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 it's, it's truth and grace, because if we don't have the grace with it, it leads to rebellion. Now, here's the other side, which is where I think we tend to be. Grace without truth leads to pain, which means, hey, I'm just going to be there with you the entire time, but I'm never going to tell you the truth. What happens? You're going to hurt yourself, right? You're, you're going to mess up. I always laugh at the new parents. I, new parents are like the funniest people in the world, because they say things that just are dumb. And... <laughs> Not Michelle and Mark. They're incredibly smart people. But like, I've had parents before, like, I'm never going to tell my, my son no. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> what do you mean you're never going to tell? They're, they're never going to know the meaning of no. I'm like, well, that's an entitled kid that's going to be awful. Like, please, don't ever bring him to my house. Like, he's an awful human. Why? Because what do little kids need? A lot of truth. Why? Because if they don't, what happens? They grab electrical cords. Right? They eat everything off the floor. They do dumb things. Guys, we're little kids in this world, whether we like it or not. And if we don't have the truth that comes from God's word and the truth from those around us that are Christians, we're going to continue to make dumb mistakes. And what happens when you make a dumb mistake? You have pain so whenever we go hey I'm just all about grace that's nice and all but you're allowing somebody to become hurt you're allowing somebody to injure themselves over and over which is not love that's not love at all that's just deciding that I'm not going to be kind enough to tell someone the truth I mean think about it this way you ever been in a situation where somebody got out of something like let's say you were in an awful relationship and you finally get out of it, what's the first thing you say to your friends? Why didn't anyone tell me? And most of the time you were telling them. But that's the question we ask, why? Because we didn't want to feel that way because of the pain that happens. Look, when people are going into those situations, they may be happy, they may think they're going the right way, but what they need in that moment is a true friend who will tell them the truth. And here, I think, is the hardest thing. Number three. Embrace the mess. Guys, loving people is messy. It is so messy. In fact, I, I'll say this. The best way never to be hurt is never to love anyone. Because think about it. Any relationship you have where you're close to somebody, what is there the possibility of? Hurt. So when I say embrace, embrace the mess, it's going, you know what? I'm deciding in this relationship to walk through this even though I know it's gonna be messy because I care more about you and what God's gonna do in you than I do about the mess that we're gonna walk through. See, you need to embrace the mess in your life so others do the same with you. I think so many times we so focus on what everybody else is doing wrong, not realizing that one day somebody's gonna tell us like, hey, you're in the wrong place. You're doing the wrong thing. You're dating the wrong person. We gotta move forward. I think we look at life so many times and we go, you know what? If I just have a momentary glimpse of happiness, things are okay. 
And what God says, no, no, no. When you get into the mess, that's when your life is filled with joy. Because what you see is life change. Because if somebody is always going after happiness, they never become a better person. But when we choose to love each other, speak truth into each other's lives, we actually become what the Bible says that we should be. Like brothers in Christ, like sisters in Christ, sharpening each other for what's ahead. So here's my, my challenge for you guys in this. And I, I, I gotta be careful giving this challenge because some of you are way too quick to do this first one is there's maybe some people in your life right now, there may be a close friend that you need to speak truth to, that you've chosen not to. And you've given the excuse, oh, they're happy, or you know what, it's not a big deal, they're not hurting anyone. But you know where it's leading. And you need to sit down this week and go, you know what, I love you, I care for you, and I've got to tell you this. The other side is this. Some of you in your life have pushed away every single person that's told you truth. And what you need to do this week is you need to reach back out and you need to apologize. Because what's happened is they've told you the truth, you pushed them away, and then later on you went, they were right. Look, I'm not saying you listen to the truth from everybody. I, I don't take random people coming up to me telling me that everything is wrong with me and all of that which happens I pay attention to the people that are closest to me that care for me that I also know will walk through the mess with me when they tell me the truth do you have those people in your life and maybe what you need to do this week is sit down with your friend group and go I'm giving you guys permission to tell me the truth which is scary you're like, oh crap, what are they going to say? What do I know? Guys, it's better to know and to understand now than continue to walk and hurt yourself. So we've got to embrace the mess. We've got to speak truth and allow truth. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Guys, when he went to those parties with what it literally says in the Bible, the notorious sinners, which I'm like, they must have been known for sinning. Like, it's not like he didn't tell them the truth. Like, he went with this guy named Zacchaeus. He went to a party at his house with notorious sinners. And the guy was so convicted by what Jesus said, all the money that he stole, he gave back plus more. That wasn't because Jesus was like, hey, do whatever you want. He's like, hey, what you did was wrong but I love you and there's forgiveness you have an ability to make it right let's pray God I thank you so much for who you are God I thank you that you are a God that has given us truth and God you are a God that has shown us love God I, I pray for all the young adults in this room God I pray that we would not sit back and just allow um the idea of happiness or the, the facade of what we go for for love in culture today to keep us back from telling the truth to people that we care about. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to be honest. God, I pray that you give us the courage to truly love those around us. And God, I pray for some of us in this room, God, you would give us the courage to invite back the truth tellers in our lives. Even though that's incredibly tough and incredibly hard, 
God, I pray that you allow us to do that today because, God, we need those people in our lives to move forward with you. God, I thank you that you are a God of second and third and fourth and infinite chances. And even though many of us to this day have messed up so much of our lives, God, you're going, I want to give you another chance. And God, I pray that we would see that, we would understand that, and we would receive that. God, we thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray.